I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think the guys and the players on the set respect me because they know I put the work in and they know that I'm a basketball junkie. Yeah. And I, the, the, my resume, if you will, may have gotten me in the door, but I think what has kept me at the desk and having the respect is yes, the on-air conversations, but it also is like off air when we're in the back debating and talking about stuff. That's when I have, and it's sad. That's when I have the most fun. I'm sitting here debating with Shaq. He was on my wall. Like I am, Sitting here talking with D Wade, like, you know, I went to, co- you know, we were in college around the same time and I watched him win a championship when I was in, like, it's that type of stuff um, that I think you earn each other's respect. And I won't say that they, you know, I have to earn theirs or whatever, but it's really that mutual respect. And, um, you know, they know I'm going to say it. So, <laughs> and I'm going to come with facts. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. One guest this week, absolutely deserves to be solo. Candace Parker is a Hall of Famer to be, basketball player, plays for the WNBA Chicago Sky, works as a studio and game analyst across the NBA on TNT, NBA TV, NCAA tournament coverage. Uh, Given when we're taping this, you will see her on November 22nd on TNT with Brian Anderson. Stan Van Gundy and Stephanie Reddy for the Nets Sixers. Uh, Candace Parker, no bullshit here, is one of the most interesting athletes of her generation. Um, she has been an interesting figure for a very, very, very long time going back to high school. And, um, and I'm very excited to have her on and pleased to be joined by Candace Parker. Candace, welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about our chat today. So am I. And Candice, let me just start with this and then we'll get into some stuff. I, I'm not bullshitting here where I say I really admire you for letting people in over the last couple of years. I covered women's basketball for a long time at Sports Illustrated. And while you were always accessible, you know, I think you were maybe guarded a little too strong, but, you know, there was space between you and the public a little bit and intentionally so. And it's been very cool to see over the last couple of years just um, you let more people in. And I don't think in your position of fame, that's very easy to do. And uh, I just want to tell you before we start, I, I really admire that. And, and I appreciate it just as someone who's appreciated your career. So thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. I really do. And, um, you know, I think just from learning from the people that have inspired me, um, I hope that in some way, shape or form that, you know, we all can inspire someone to, you know, be truer to themselves, put themselves a little bit more first, be okay with, you know, what they like, what they don't like, the choices that they make in life and understand like we all make mistakes. And so I think 
that's kind of given me the courage, you know, to do that. And, and, and I appreciate you, you saying that that means a lot. Thank you. Um, all right. You were, you were not a full-time at Turner when you started in broadcasting, you were, you were doing things with Kevin Garnett on area 21. Um, and as you, I think you told us to Ramona Shelburne once, like then it became, can you fill in on NBA TV? Can you fill in on the players only segment? Can you come into the studio? So this stuff all escalated into what is now, I think, an absolute, you know, second career or perhaps first career whenever basketball is done. So let's start here. When did you realize that this could be a full-time next act for you? I just really love basketball and I always love the TNT show, to be honest with you. Um, I loved watching Chuck and you know, Kenny and Shaq and of course, Ernie. And I always enjoyed watching that show from the time I was young. I remember watching it and it's interesting because I think it was just kind of one of those things where it kind of ended up being the right time at the right place in terms of me not wanting to go overseas anymore, trying new things. I I'm the type of person, I always have to know what's next. And I found out that when you get to NBA TV and TNT, Yes, there is some, you know, you have to be seasoned a little bit, but it really is fun because you're sitting at the table like you are at the dinner table talking about sports, but with people that you grew up idolizing. So I think once I figured that out, that's when I was like, this is really what I want to do. This is the second best job ever, second to only playing, is being able to talk and analyze sports. Candice, um, you've now had experience doing both studio work and game work on a sort of a, like a big picture perspective, what, what is the difference or what has been the difference for you between being in the studio and then being on court at an arena, being part of like a game broadcast group? Oh my goodness. Well, first I love both of them. Um, in studio, I think it's more of the reaction, the teaching, the analyzing, you really have time to digest the stats and really kind of put it all together. It's almost like I look at it almost like a scouting report where you're putting a scouting report together, you have time. Whereas in game, it's almost, you know, it's like those in-game adjustments. So the scouting report's out the window. It's in-game adjustments. It's the adrenaline. You know, it's like you're playing. So I think the studio work is so much fun because you really get to, you know, fall in love with the process of really analyzing these teams and seeing the whole picture. Whereas in-game, it's more like you're reacting on the fly. And, you know, it's almost like the adrenaline of when you're playing. And especially, you know, the crew that I'm working with, uh, I've, I've worked with Reggie Miller a couple of times and just his excitement and as a teammate and Kevin Harlan, um, it's second to none. So it really is like you get engaged with the game and um, you really, I mean, I have a courtside seat. I'm a fan to the game, but I just, people are listening to my conversation. So I think both are fun and I definitely want to continue doing both though. We talk a lot about preparation on this podcast, so I want to ask you for both. It would seem sort of obvious that when you are preparing in the studio, you really have to sort of know what's happening in the league, like writ large. You got to have at least have a sense of everybody who's playing that night, probably have seen some of the games of those teams. When it comes to the game that you're doing itself, it's incredibly intensive probably for those two teams. You talk to the coaches in production meetings, et cetera. So let's start with the studio first. What What is your preparation like when you know you're going to be in the studio for a night? Well, I'm a big believer in you always use what knowledge you have now and compare it to 
before. So you compare it to something that happened previously, either either this season or you know, in the playoffs in a year before. So I just genuinely watch basketball. And I think through that, then, you know, I'll watch the team two or three times before, and it can be a quarter. It can be the whole game. Um, obviously big matchups. I'm a big believer in going on the internet and seeing what the beat writer is writing about to know storylines coming in, um, things like that. And then I, I listen to podcasts. So I, I do listen. That's what I do on the plane on my four hour trip to Atlanta. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts and then I use um, it's called one note this, that helps me a lot. So I use that and I use it every time I'm on television. So when I'm on television a different time, I can always pull up the notes that I had previously. So I'm not a big paper, you know, paper to pen. I write everything there. So I have something that I can reflect on uh, in the future. But yeah, I just watch a lot of basketball. I'm, you know, I'm hoops hype, keeping up with what's going on, NBA.com, uh, beat writers. That's kind of how I prepare. And then, you know, I just try to try to compare it to the past. I think that's the biggest thing is to make it relevant now. What what have they done well in the past? What aren't they doing well now? Or vice versa. Which uh, which basketball podcasts do you find uh, really work for you? Yeah, Dunked is is my is my go to. So that's my that's my go-to podcast right now. And then when it comes to the, um, when it comes to you, and I know you haven't done a ton of these, but when you're on site calling a game, you obviously have the advantage of, uh, you know, per, uh, all the networks will have like, um, will give their on-air talent notes and all sorts of production notes and stuff. But you also have the benefit of meeting with the coaches, meeting with players, and probably someone like yourself, you can watch shoot around and probably I imagine get a sense of what's going on just because you've, you've played at that kind of high level. So what's the preparation like when it comes to a game broadcast? I absolutely love it. First, uh, I'm big into, you know, I've been in a three-person booth uh, the times that I've called. So I really like talking to my other teammates. So we have a, a nice production meeting, but leading up to the production meeting, kind of getting on the phone, I've gotten on the phone with Reggie Miller and just kind of picked his brain about what he's noticed, what he's seen, you know, topics of conversation before or we even look at the notes that are given to us. Um, and I think the big part that I'm learning still is how do you turn numbers into a storyline or how do you connect the numbers to what you want to talk about? Because there's one thing to say, hey, he's shooting 77% from the free throw line. But there's another thing to say that he worked with a shooting coach this past summer. And because of that shooting coach, he was able to raise his free throw percentage by 3% to now shoot, you know, so there's a different way and level that you can do that. So I look at the numbers and I try to connect that to a storyline that I find online or that, you know, the beat writer or what I hear on a podcast or interesting topics of discussion. And then a big thing that I've learned too, is you don't know what type of game it's going to be. It could be a down to the wire and you could use none of your notes or it could be one of those games that's a blowout from the start and you have to talk about storylines. So sometimes 90% of the notes that I have, you don't use. And then, you know, when it comes to talking to the coaches, you bring in those numbers and you try to get them to expand on what they're working on, you know, what individually they're, they're, they're trying to do as a unit, where they are, big picture. And I think the, the best conversation, I was able to talk to Steve Kerr, the, the second game that I, that I did where it was Warriors and Suns. And it was interesting to listen to his perspective coming in off of championship, the dynasty that they've had, uh, to, to hear some of the things that he had to say, 
in game four or five of the season. So then being able to come back and hopefully down the line, you know, retrace what we talked about. So there's a number of different angles you can go, but I I try to try to connect the numbers to the storyline mostly. That's interesting. Um, You know, sports networks are always in search of what's called currency. They want people, they want players who have just walked off the court and into the booth because obviously they have played against the people that they're talking about. The viewer knows them very well because they have seen them playing. I wonder for you, when you are at an NBA arena, because you are still an active player, because you've been an incredibly successful active player, I think the, I'm going to get into this a little bit. The NBA is very, very good about this regardless. But do you feel like there's more acceptance when you are talking to all of these people? Because if you're a Steve Kerr, I make the assumption you're a basketball junkie. You love not just men's basketball, but women's basketball as well. Like Steve Kerr knows who you are. He may have even seen you like play in the last couple of months. Do you feel that for you, there's a, I don't know. I don't want to call it credibility because you already have that, but like an enhanced currency basically when you, when you're talking to these people. I feel as though, you know, everybody within sports and especially in basketball, the interviews that we do have always been um, super, I would say, uh, patient, understanding, accepting, uh, kind, forthcoming, I should say, with information. I think the biggest thing for me now is my adjustment. And now I know what the other side feels. So if anything, the impact of me as a broadcaster on an athlete, I understand you know, you don't want certain questions directed personally at you. There's a way in which to ask. There's a respect element. So I kind of try to do that as a broadcaster and then vice versa as an athlete, understanding that the time that, you know, it takes a broadcaster, an analyst to come over to practice and being at interviews when I say I'm going to be there. So I think it's, it's, it's kind of both ways. If I answered your question, I think everyone is, uh, super respectful and from a standpoint of understanding what they're going through the grueling season. I mean, trying to, and this is, you brought up Steve Kerr. I mean, to, to go back to back is hard. I mean, we didn't do it. It's hard. We had two chances to do it. You know, the two times we won a champion, we didn't do it. It's hard. It's hard to stay focused. It's hard to stay motivated. So I think if anything coming at them from a place of understanding Because, you know, listen, the fan, that's their job is to expect great all the time. You're supposed to expect it doesn't matter in game, you know, 47 and you're tired on a five game road trip. You know, you should still put up 50. But me as the broadcaster, I understand that that's not possible sometimes. So I think we come at each other from both ways of understanding. And I think it's a mutually uh, it's a mutual respect, I should say. And, um, you know, I enjoy it and I, you know, I, I really appreciate it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, this was a question when I knew you were going to be on that I really wanted to ask you because I feel like you'll have pretty good insight on this. Um, basketball has always been progressive when it comes to putting women in broadcasting roles that men held traditionally and historically. Doris Burke, Stephanie Reddy, Sarah Kustak, all NBA game analysts. Kate Scott, Lisa Byington, both play-by-play uh, NBA broadcasters. There's you, Chineo Gumake. So Becky Hammond was just hired by ESPN, all NBA studio analysts. Why, in your opinion, Candace, has basketball led the way here 
where other sports are still very slow? I think basketball's led the way as a result of the WNBA. Um, the WNBA is the longest standing women's sports league in the United States. And it's no accident that as a result of the 96 Olympics in which the women kicked ass and won every type of medal possible um, from gymnastics to soccer to basketball and all the way down um, that now we have this league and it's not by accident that, you know, basketball being out there um, being unapologetic, being bold, being themselves. I think that that kind of led the way of women in leadership positions. And I think that NBA has always been a player empowerment. And the biggest thing that, you know, I try to do in the studio from day one is I'm not trying to be one of the boys. I'm trying to be one of the players. And I think that that's what the NBA has established. And, you know, one of the lead analysts in Cheryl Miller, who was out in, you know, the nineties and two thousands, uh, analyzing games for TNT. Uh, I think that that's huge. And you're able to hear a different perspective in a different voice. Um, someone that has played the game, you know, that has played the game at a different level. And so I think it is, uh, it is important and it is, uh, crucial that we continue to hear those voices. And I think we're going to, we're going to see and hear more in other sports. I mean, you look at baseball and, you know, what they're trying to do. Um, I think NFL in terms of hiring the coaches and things like that, there's a trickle down effect that will, that will continue to happen in other sports, but I'm happy that basketball is leading the way. I'm sure you saw dream on correct. The, uh, the doc on the 96 U S women's, uh, basketball team. Of course, of course. Phenomenal. Of course. Great. Maybe the best doc of, uh, of this year. You know, you said something really interesting that you, you went into that studio, um, thinking, you know, you're not trying to be one of the boys, you're trying to be a player. Um, you can tell me if this uh, thesis is uh, garbage, <laughs> but m- my uh, my thought, like, I think that show, regardless, would accept anybody. I think Ernie, Chuck, Shaq, Kenny, there, you know, there's a reason it's the greatest studio show of all time. They have incredibly smart behind-the-scenes people. That said, I do think there is something to... You walking on that set and you having the credentials that you have, you know, professionally, athletically, and that Shaq, Kenny, Charles, yeah, they all played in a different league, but but your resume stacks up across the board with theirs. And I have to think that there has to be some kind of recognition when you're on set, like, okay, this woman knows her shit, just to be blunt. Um is that true? And I guess maybe the converse would be, and it's not. I'm not asking the question most elegantly, but if can if there's another Candace Parker, but that Candace Parker is like the tenth person on a WNBA bench, you had a really really nice career, but not your accolades. Does it feel a little bit different for the guys on set if she walks on as opposed to you? Well, to answer in short, like eventually, I hope that that doesn't matter because we look yes within media, you know, uh, uh, it's not all you know, all stars and MVPs that are, you know, in the booth or, you know, talking about sports. So I think eventually I would hope that it, the case would be where, you know, credentials don't matter past, but really it's, you know, what you're talking about, about how good you are at that, you know, how good you are at analyzing. But in actuality, I think that's the strength of TNT is that, you know, it is past players with credentials, with diversity of opinion and thought, 
that all sit around and talk about basketball. And that's what makes it great television. So I, I think I would like to say that I think the guys and the players on the set respect me because they know I put the work in and they know that I'm a basketball junkie. And I yeah. think the, the, my resume, if you will, may have gotten me in the door, but I think what has kept me at the desk and having the respect is yes, the on-air conversations, but it also is like off air when we're in the back debating and talking about stuff. That's when I have, and it's sad. That's when I have the most fun. I'm sitting here debating with Shaq. He was on my wall. Like I am sitting here talking with D Wade. Like, you know, I went to, co- you know, we were in college around the same time and I watched him win a championship when I was in- like, it's that type of stuff um, that I think you earn each other's respect. And I won't say that they, you know, I have to earn theirs or whatever, but it's really that mutual respect. And, um, you know, they know I'm going to say it. So, <laughs> and I'm going to come with facts. So I think that's, what's been so much fun to, you know, to kind of see, uh, how, how those things, how those conversations continue to go, especially off air. Yeah. You, you see, you answered that question a hundred times more elegantly than I asked it, but you eventually got to, uh, you got to the place that I was talking about. So I, I, I appreciate that. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right. A, a couple of more subjects uh, here. The, um, you know, we're talking, um, we're talking about your foray into broadcasting and how I, it's very, very, I mean, you're excellent at it. And I think if this is what you want to do for the next, you know, 20, 30 years, I think, I think it's yours. Um, it's another revolution, obviously in your life. ESPN announced recently that they're doing a doc on your life. I think your film company is part of that. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, how much are you willing to let the public in? about who you really are. I, I started this conversation with saying how much I admire that you've let people in a lot more, but this would be like an honest examination of your life. This, this would be, you know, Candace, like sort of letting everybody in um, on everything in a, in, a, in a permanent record, so to speak. I think the thing I've learned through this dash, and, you know, I call it dash because it's the journey in between the start and the finish, uh, I've learned that vulnerability is like power. And I think for so long, um, I wasn't able to be vulnerable. And I think I attribute a lot of, a lot of the reason why I know that it's a powerful thing is because, you know, my, my wife was the first one that kind of like, I felt okay being vulnerable with. And 
you know, that opened the door to just unbelievable amount of realization that it is a powerful thing. And so I'm okay with people not particularly liking certain things or whatever. It's not for you and that's okay. And I think it takes a certain, it takes you getting to a certain point to be able to be okay with that. And so I think I am willing and open to letting people in because I know that I was inspired by people that let me in, that people that showed me, you know, their lives showed me power, but also showed me, showed me vulnerability. And so I think that's my biggest thing now is, is that maybe it inspires one person, maybe two, maybe three, but the impact that it's going to have on their lives to understand that, you know, you should be bold. You should work hard. You, you know, you have the right to, to be happy. You have the right to make choices, to make mistakes, um, to continuously try to get better. And I think that's what I'm trying to show is that, you know, vulnerability is power. My, uh, my late mom was a, uh, psychologist, Candace. She would say you have a very healthy, uh, life approach now. So well done on this. Um, you, you mentioned your wife, uh, if I mispronounce her last name, I apologize. Anna, Anna Patricia. Petrova. Okay, so I'm she's a Parker sure. now. We officially. She's a Parker. Cards. All right. Anya, just call her Anya Parker, but it's Petrakova is her. Okay. Oh, this is so much easier though now. On, <laughs> on, Anya Parker. Okay. The reason I, uh, the reason I'm first of all, I'm glad you brought her up because I, I have a question about Russia, um, and I just think my audience is going to be really interested in this. Candace played in Russia for UMMC Katerinaburg. My Russian is just really okay. mangled here. Okay. From. Uh, yeah. Gamecock, uh, <laughs> okay. There you go. From 2010 to 2015. Um, the, to sort of just like explain it very, very quickly, WNBA players, obviously of Candace's caliber had an opportunity to go overseas at that time to make a lot of money. The money did not exist in the U S. So you saw all these star players go over there. Russia was obviously a very, very prominent place for this. Uh, Candace, Sue Bird, Lauren Jackson, Diana Tarazi, a lot of very great players played there. Um, you have not played overseas since 2018. Your wife is a former Olympic basketball player from Russia. People know that Brittany Griner is there now in a penal colony, incredibly unfairly, um, in my opinion, at least charged by the Russian government and everybody wants her to come back home. I wonder, Candace, as somebody who played there for five years, who actually has some knowledge about like Russia um, and now sees where we are with Brittany Griner. Is this surreal for you? The place that you played for five years, the place that your wife is from, um, like where we are in 2022 with all this? Well, first, you know, it's surreal because, you know, like you said, I've played there, but also my wife is Russian. That is home to her. Uh, just everything that's going on with the war and, you know, how difficult it is. We were in the green card process prior to the last two years. Her parents still over there. So she hasn't seen her parents oh, wow. for years. So I think from a personal standpoint, um, I'm at a point of listening and understanding and compassion with her because I can't imagine what she's going through individually. And then you throw in as well, She's Brittany Griner and everything she's going through with a club that we played for a country that flew yeah. into time and time again. And, and I do want to acknowledge something. Yes, she did plead guilty and things like that. But in America, we have the crime fitting the punishment. And in Russia, they have something similar. And even by Russian standards, this is a harsh sentence. Um, and so I think that, you know, 
it's my heart breaks for her. My heart breaks for her family and my heart breaks for a place that we called home for so many years. And I think that that's the biggest thing is, is, you know, obviously first and foremost, getting Brittany home and then getting BG back into the States and, you know, with her family and friends, I can't not even fathom what she is going through. Um, but then also, I hope there's a time where my wife is able to go back. So I think that that's just, that's where it's at, where it's at. And to be honest with you, um, you know, I can't even, I mean, yes, I, I lived there for years. My daughter went to Russian preschool. We learned the language. I can, you know, I understand it and can read the alphabet and read the language and things like that. But I think first and foremost, it's, you know, I take a backseat to my wife and what she's, you know, what she's experiencing, what she's going through. Cause you know, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a difficult situation. Oh man. I can't even imagine if I can ask, um, is your wife able to stay in contact with her parents? Is there a, like a communication way to, to be in contact? Obviously it's at this point impossible for her to go to the country, but are can one be in communication with relatives back in Russia? Of course. Um, they are very super involved with their grandson. Um, they hadn't met him yet, but just on FaceTime and, you know, communicating with them and things like that. So, and she does have a sister in the States. So we are able to see her sister and the kids and things like that. But just in terms of going home, I mean, we didn't know the last time that she left her apartment that that was going to be it. That's so it. Yeah. Just uh, trying to be, you know, as, you know, as supportive as I can, you know, going through this process. Cause it's not easy. I can't imagine not being able to go home, you know? Yeah. I, 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 it's, it makes me grateful sort of like in many ways, you're very lucky as to be born where you were born in terms of the country. And so, um, it gives us all pause for thought. All right. A couple more here before I, uh, before I let you go on, I appreciate no your time. Problem. Thank you. Uh, uh, you, um, you made all WNBA first team last year. Uh, your postseason numbers were excellent, uh, 14, 10, four assists, two blocks. I mean, this is like, you know, very high fantasy, uh, draft pick. If I'm taking Candace Parker and my WNBA fantasy team, um, you, but you, here's what you have always said. You always said that you will play if you are playing at a level that is acceptable to you personally, as we talk here in mid November, where, where do you stand in terms of the prospect of playing again or, or is that's something you still got a couple months before you make that decision. It's so interesting that you asked. I mean, I just did my treadmill workout downstairs and I did my lift and, you know, in the hotel before I go to the studio, I call it my citizen workout until I switched to, you know, sand dunes and on court, but uh, losing last year, uh, I was working out six days after we lost. Like I just couldn't, I, would, I just wanted to compete at everything. My family knows like dominoes, let's go beach volleyball. Let's, let's go. Like I just, that's, that was my mentality. Um, cause I hate losing. Uh, so right now, yeah, I'm game. Uh, let's see if my body is, you know, is this way in January, February, but I plan to, you know, I plan to play, I plan to come back. But at the same time last year, it was the reverse. I couldn't imagine lacing up shoes again. I couldn't imagine going through game 27 on the schedule. Um, and then a, a switch flipped in February and I was ready to go. So, you know, I, I like to take the off season and take my time, but you know, right now I don't, I don't know if I've dribbled my last ball ball on the court. I think I'm, I'm super competitive and want to play at a high level and want to prepare. I think when you stop preparing, that's when you start cheating the game, you know, and I, I don't ever want to do that. So 
Yeah. Ooh, excellent news here. You're a free agent, correct? I, I am, yes. Okay, all right. I, I'm not going to go deep into WNBA stuff, but all right. So that this is good news that uh, as Candace and I uh, taped this on November 14th, 2022. Just <laughs> yeah, December 14th. Um, who knows? What the end of, but. <laughs> right, yeah, well, we're all day-to-day, Candace, basically. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, final three here. This is just a fun one for my own, uh, like, for my own edification purposes because I just love this stuff. All right, this is not necessarily like a Candace Parker question. It is a general question. Who is the t- and, and you have to take yourself out of it, by the way. Who is the who is the toughest person to guard in the WNBA regardless of position? Oh my goodness. Uh, Simone Augustus used to give us like fits. Uh, even before Minnesota was winning championships back at LSU when we played LSU and, you know, at Tennessee she was a junior and I was a freshman and then she was a senior and I was a sophomore. And when I tell you, Oh my goodness, she just, she can handle, she can, she's got size. She can shoot it. She has a counter to every move. Um, Her right to left, left to right crossover was ridiculous. Um, Yeah. So I would say a Simone Augustus. Ooh, I love it. By the way, uh, when I worked at Sports Illustrated, Simone Augustus was on the cover of SI for Women when she was 14 years old. And it was so cool to like be ahead of everybody on the curve, like knowing that this girl was going to be like unbelievable. And then obviously, like by the time she got to LSU, the rest of the world uh, knew. But well, to, uh, she was like, she was a prodigy from well, the Well, to interrupt, that was on my wall. That was my motivation in high school and junior high was um, she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated in the gold and red jersey. And I remember it was like a close-up picture of her looking like, I think, to her left. That was on my wall as like my motivation. And it's like, it's crazy because it comes full circle. And when I first stepped on the court with her, I was just like, wow, this is like a moment. (laughs) So... That's very that. that's very cool. Well, not only is that cool, Candice, thank you or thank your parents for paying for my uh, rent in New York <laughs> City working at Sports Illustrated. I appreciate that very much. Um, all right. Where does your optimism level sit when it comes to a women coaching, a woman coaching in the NBA, let's say over the next five to 15 years? I've, I have high optimism with that. Um, I think that there are going to be, be a number of organizations, especially going into the next year. Um We've seen a number of women that are being interviewed. We've seen coaches. I mean, obviously, Eddie was a long time ago, but I think the movies always, they're always the precursor to what's going to happen. You know, I'm a big believer in that. Like even in space travel, you look at the first black president. um, I I mean, I'm just down the line. Um, And so I think that organizations are going to, they're already interviewing. I think they're going to start hiring and I think if I were to wager, which I'm not, okay, WNBA and NBA, I'm not wagering a bet. But if I were to wager a bet, I would say Teresa Weatherspoon is probably the next in line, in my opinion, hmm. of someone that, you know, is able to do it. I think there's a number of able people. I think there's a number of able women that are capable, but 
it's who's going to be the first. And I think that that sets the standard for, for the rest. And it's unfortunate that way. Cause I think there's a number of people that are credible and able to do it. Um, but you know, obviously the, the hiring of, of Saturday of, of Jeff Saturday kind of increases my optimism that it will happen in the next five years. <laughs> Yeah, you just need you need one owner basically to do it. My here's my thought on that. Obviously, a lot of people, you know, Becky Hammond obviously got multiple interviews. Seemed like she was close. I don't know if she'll go back to the pros. She she was with the Celtics, but what about Kara Lawson? If she if if in a post Duke universe, maybe be maybe maybe trying to go for that NBA coaching gig. I would be all for it. I just think the way of the NBA and the way. Uh, it, that would be hard for me to see from, I think she would have to come back into basketball to go. I, I got you. Come back as, as an, an assistant, assistant again, and then right? Go. And then sort of Just work because the yeah. NBA is very, yeah. if you look at the hiring of the NBA, even, even hiring Blatt years ago, remember um, the, oh my gosh, the Cleveland Cavs coach that came in and was there for like two months. Yeah, yeah for two the, minutes. Yeah. From his, the Israeli, Israeli coach. coach and then he basically didn't get along with, it, with LeBron exactly, and he was coach done. for Phoenix. Right, yeah. Like the NBA doesn't really hire outside of NBA. So That's I true. think that they yeah. would have to come back into the league to, to be a part of it. That makes, all right. Yeah. Same, so then that same sort of thing would be Lindsay Gottlieb, who was with the Cavs for a little bit. And then now I think it's back in the, um, the women's game. Okay. Mm-hmm. I buy that, that you get to sit on the bench. All right. Final one for me is I've written this, so I'm not just kissing your butt here because you're on this uh, uh, podcast. Um, I think you would be a phenomenal fit in terms of whatever inside the NBA becomes in a post-Ernie Charles Kenny era or even like sort of as they're mixing and matching as their their contracts uh, sort of extend. I'm not putting Shaq in there because obviously he's a little bit younger than the rest of those guys. While I know you love being on game broadcast, my thought is that that possibility would have to be of great interest. You said you grew up watching that show. I think you've always been a phenomenal fit on that show. Um, I think you could go back and forth with the guys. You have credibility. You know your shit, to be blunt. So my thought would be that would be a, in broadcasting, a dream job. Am I am I on to something? I mean, of course, to sit at that desk, even you know, filling in, even on our Tuesday night show, it's a different set, but it's the same studio. Uh, it's an honor, and it's um, it's unbelievable to be a part of that. I mean, I would be lying to you if I didn't say it was a dream of mine. Um, however, as a fan, I understand how things work where there's a core group. And the reason why they're successful is because of that core group. So if you add or subtract or whatever, it's not that show. So I, I couldn't to even do it justice. I wouldn't even be, it wouldn't be the same show if that, if we were added to it. Uh, because of you know how much respect I have for them as a team and as a unit, so I think you know once one of them steps away, I don't know if you can just fill somebody else in just because of the chemistry that they have and the longevity that they've had. So I think you know Tuesday show we're developing, we're figuring it out, we're you know trying to uh, trying to find our groove and and things like that. And so I think just even being at T- TNT and the culture that that. I mean, just watching the documentary, it was unbelievable to watch the process of that show uh, and how it can yes, be. Yeah. And so I think even just being in the studio, I'm living my dream. Yeah, it's cool. To, like I've seen that, uh, I've certainly written about it. It's very cool to see Chuck early on in his broadcasting career because he's yeah. not the same guy. And you can sort of see him yeah. figuring it out like as he's um, 
sort of proceeding. The other thing about uh, Charles, who I've interviewed, man, I can't even sort of count how many times. The greatest thing with Charles is I, I, I literally think I have a thousand quotes, Candace, of him saying, I'm not working past 45. I'm not working past 50. I'm retiring at 55. All right, 60 is it. So he's going to be there until he's like 95. So, you know, he'll be, he'll be, he's that, that set. Uh, he's, he's, you know, you have to, you have to pull him off that set. I think it's going to be tough, but, uh, but you're totally right. You guys are creating something that's very cool on Tuesday. And the thing about basketball is um, there's enough interest to have a ton of studio shows. All the different networks have them. And, and you know, there, there's so many basketball junkies out there. Um, all right, Candace Parker is a studio and game analyst for NBA and TNT, NBA TV. Also does the NCAA tournament. She'll be with Brian Anderson, Stan Van Gundy, and Stephanie Reddy for the Nets Sixers on November 22nd on TNT. I don't think that uh, ESPN doc has a specific air date yet. I think they're still long into production, but uh, pay attention for when that comes out. I imagine that's going to be really good. Candace, the first time I ever had a chance to go one-on-one with you, man. I, I can't thank you enough. I just have so much admiration for uh, just how you've, just if I'm going to be sort of coarse here, how you've handled your shit as you've, <laughs> as you've gone about your life. And so I wish you nothing but uh, the best of success. And thank you so much for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. Thank you for having me, and I honor the preparation, so I appreciate you being, you know, thorough and getting amazing questions, and, you know, obviously, I understand the preparation, so I, I appreciate your questions and, you know, how thorough you are, so thank you so much for having me. All right, back in the studio, my thanks to Candace Parker. I've been wanting to do that for a long time, and I really, really appreciate her time. That was excellent, and... Um, She's really good on air. Uh, again, if this is what she wants to do for the next 25 plus years, she's she's got it. She's just very very good on air and and preps and has credibility. And, you know, there's just some stuff she does that you just really can't teach. If you like these kind of conversations, head to the archives. Previous podcast this week, World of Sports Documentaries with Deirdre Fenton, the executive director, unscripted from Metalark Media. Did a podcast with Sean Keeley of the Comeback Media. What happens to uh, what happens to sports media if Twitter implodes? Had Jeff Perlman on his Bo Jackson book. Had a World Cup preview with Grant Wall, who is now in Qatar, covering that, and a conversation with Adam Amin and Adnan Verk. If you like this kind of uh, conversation, please leave us a five-star review and a nice note. Um, I, uh, I appreciate it. appreciate everything uh, um, everything that uh, people have uh, said. Thanks to uh, Thomas eight three six six for his nice words on. Uh, on the podcast and uh, uh, appreciate uh, him leaving a uh, five-star review and a nice note. Thanks, man. I always appreciate it. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for uh, all his hard work. Thanks to everybody at Cadence 13. Most of all, thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.